Dead or alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good trash genre cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Ah! Ah! Get to the chopper! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you'll never... Watch the volume control on that there, pal. Jeez. (laughs) I came in very excited. Yeah, really flying in hot. Well, I'm just trying to be be excited. This just in. uh, Old man yells at cloud. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're talking about the films you'll never discuss in a film stays course, and this week's film in our Netflix November marathon is What Happened to Monday? Uh, The answer being, who cares? But more on that... I was going to say the answer being we change the drop data Wednesday <laughs> and sometimes Friday. And, and, you know, Saturday's the party girl, and that's when you know it's going to happen that way. But oh, yeah. Sometimes we, the episodes we drop on Saturdays, those are the real party that's episodes. The, that's the party episode. There's a drop there um, that works pretty well. But anyway, uh, we are um, here to talk to you about this film, and uh, we want to introduce ourselves before we get any further so you know the names of the disembodied voices speaking directly to your brain. Um, to my left, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and if we get this promotion, guys, it's all thanks to Arthur. He's the, he's the one that makes us all look like a genius. <laughs> That's absolutely accurate. Sir, who are you? I am Arthur Gordon, and it's called Acting. It's called acting. Uh, my name's Dustin Sells, and I'm like you guys in almost every way. And I'm glad to be here discussing this film. Uh, I guess I am. What happened to Mondays? Starring Numira Pace. It's just Monday. Numira Pace. Numira Pace. Numira Pace. Numira Pace. Numira Pace. And Numira Pace. Will- Numira Pace. And Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe. And Glenn Close. For like a day. Garen- I mean, two days <laughs> tops on both of them. Yeah. They had both of them wrapped in under three days. There's yeah. no way. Will- Will- Willem was actually in the AM, and Glenn had a they, they uh, 12 p.m. call. <laughs> had a 12 p.m. call time. <laughs> just, just get it all done. Oh wow! She had what two scenes? Uh, if that, if that, she well, had the open, like the opening in the, the 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 banquet thing. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely and her ex- couple of newsreels. That's the only reason I go two days on her is just because of the location, costume changes. Yeah, and that <laughs> banquet, there's a lot of extras so that might have taken a day to get done. Yeah, but yeah, there's just no. I mean, she's in two scenes, Defoe's in like what three flashback scenes that yeah. could have all been shot in one day. Yeah. Absolutely shot in one day, yeah. Yeah, I, he looks like he's only in that one room. But um, just to let you know, dear listener, if this is the first time you're tuning into the Good Trash Genre Cast brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network, this is not a review show. Oh, no, it is an analysis show. And that means we are going to give some spoilers. And uh, this is a very plotty, twisty uh, kind of... Yeah, there's a lot of plot. Shyamalan um, light... Uh, attempt at plot twisty kind of contrivances. So thus and therefore, I'm giving away all of my. Um, you, you, you're laying it all on the my, table. My venom. I don't. We're not even riding the river for this. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're going to try to avoid those spoilers though for the first part of the show. What we'll do is we'll have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Then we'll have our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be spoiler free for the most part. Then we will play our game, which might involve a mild spoiler of this film and other films in its orbit. Um, yeah, the uh, more likely films in its orbit. We might spoil uh, some some of those films. 
we're going to talk about movies where people play more than one character. So that's not hidden from this movie. That's all this movie is. Yeah. So I, I think you kind of ought to know what's happening there. Um, then we get down to business and then all spoiler bets are off and we will find out uh, the real thing and we will find out what happened to Monday and uh, thus and therefore daylight savings. It just ate it all up. Ate it all we just ran out of Monday eventually. Just, yeah. Just, just went away. Gregorian calendar had a real error in it <laughs> and uh, that's how the movie ends. <laughs> so, uh, Thus, and therefore, without any further ado, Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema, let's go ahead and hear that synopsis, please. In a world where families are limited to one child due to overpopulation, a set of identical septuplets must avoid being put to a long sleep by the government and dangerous infighting while investigating the disappearance of one of their own. The dang government. But it starts out within a world. Um, we could say China. That was a good in a world. I, it seems I almost to be went with that joke. I almost did. Yeah. Oh, well. It, it does seem to be uh, some sort of European Union extra. Yeah, something like that, yeah. The European Union Plus. The One World Order, I'm sure. But it seems... One li- World Order. That's, we're, already, we're jumping in too fast, but I mean, that's part of the problem with this movie. Is I have no idea where we are. Where are we? Nondescript city. Yes. Well, I think the whole world is a city. Russia. I mean, they're adding 4 million new humans every single day because of overpopulation. So I think we're looking at something like uh, uh, Coruscant. Uh, or Cor- what is it? Coruscant? What is it? Coruscant. Coruscant. You're talking about Star Wars, Star right? Wars thing. Coruscant. Yeah, yeah, the whole planet's a city. Coruscant. Hey, I see, I got the impression that we were just in Europe. Like, this federation that they kept talking about was some sort of European super government. I feel like it's like the worst Star Trek world. Yes. This is all in the... Cryojack. Cryodeck. Hypnotech. <laughs> we, just, we just don't know the name of anything in, in, in any science fiction anymore. This We're, movie made us forget all the sci-fi knowledge we had. Yeah, this is this is that academic podcast. <laughs> Danger Room. Danger Room. So, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and hear those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Let's try to stick to form and plotting, I guess, in terms of screenwriting <laughs> without plotting in terms of actual plot points to avoid the spoilerage. Uh, that's about all I'll say about so that. So some Shazette, but no fabula? Exactly. All the Shazette. <laughs> No Fabula. That's my uh, that's my punk band. Yeah, that's a good that's a good. Name I'm for a all punk about band. that Shazette. No Fabula. <laughs> Arthur, you're the reason we watch this. Why don't you Why don't you take off? Uh, tell us what you thought about yeah, what this happened is your Monday. Fault. I don't even remember this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it last week? I watched it like Wednesday and Thursday. I think. Oh my god! So it's just already gone. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what? I mean. It needed more Defoe. I would have gone for, like, a Defoe on set two days, maybe. Everything needs more Defoe. Yes. Um, He's just not having a good run on Netflix Originals this year, I don't think. Um, It's pretty, I mean, it's super bland. Uh, I mean, it's a really cool setup, though. I I, I like the premise. I I, I like some set design stuff in it. Um, But, yeah, it's so boring. It's really bland. It's very paint-by-numbers. Anything that should surprise you is... Easily predictable. Um, uh, Numi Rapaz, I almost called her Numera. Uh, Numi Rapaz is uh, she's fun. Uh, she does a great job distinguishing these characters. Uh, they're all simple archetypes um, based around their names, which is very boring and on the on the on the hand, on the nose. Uh, I I can't even. I forgot how to speak. <laughs> apparently, between Monday and now, I forgot how to speak. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all. Ultra forgettable. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sorry, guys. No, that's good. Um, I'm and sorry. you should be very sorry, I Dalton am. Stewart. Bring the vim and vinegar. Bring the venom. Bring the vinegar. No, I will. This movie. Vinegar. This movie has something 
Vimeo. About it that leads me to believe. I'm just going to let Arthur keep doing his word salad and talk over him. There's something about this that you can almost see it picking up something of a cult following, right? It's almost campy enough to, like, be a little fun that it's it's as bad as it is. It's not quite there, though. It it almost is campy enough to, to be fun in spite of itself. Um and, and I will say this, Numi Rapace is having a great time. Um, if you want to watch a lot of scenes of her passing glasses of water to herself, <laughs> this is the movie for you. Uh, I do like her a lot in this, though. I mean, she, yeah. she gets to, to really, you know, do some fun action scenes. And, and that is clearly what happened. How do we make a movie where we get to have one actor play seven characters? Like, let's make an action movie where one person plays a bunch of characters. Okay, how do we make that happen? And then they reverse engineered from there. Um Arthur learned this, and I, I think I remember seeing it too, but Arthur mentioned this off air, that this movie was, in fact, a blacklist screenplay, meaning that it was, you know, one of the most uh, likely to be made screenplays that had not yet been purchased. I, I'm guessing there was some real reworking that happened after that, because I, I don't see it. I do know there was a gender swap. I know I knew about that, yeah, that they they had originally written uh, it as a male, or I guess, I don't know if that was the original screenplay, yeah. or in, you know, an earlier draft it was yeah. male, but yeah. They male did. set of tuplets. Yeah, yeah, which, uh, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I like the gender swap. I, I feel like yeah. it would have been even less interesting. Um, just one guy. With just a dude. And again, yeah. Numi Rapace is a, a fun performer. She mm-hmm. She's compelling yeah. on screen. Um, as Arthur mentioned, the characters are so thin and kind of on the nose, but she does kind of bring a, a uniqueness and a life to each character that I did appreciate. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, the action scenes that, uh, the character Thursday gets to do, the fight scenes that she has are all really cool. Uh, or not Thursday, um, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday's the kickboxer one. Yes. Uh, Wednesday gets to beat the shit out of a bunch of people. And that was fun. Thursday does get a, a pretty scrappy fight scene uh, mm-hmm. at one point though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those, those moments are fine. Um, but yeah, e- even as Arthur mentioned, it's just bland. The set design here is kind of, I mean, the set design of the home that they have and share is really kind of cute. Yeah. But the art direction for the world is dry. And I get that it's supposed to be this kind of, you know, fascistic state, but it's just boring to look at and that's clearly a budgetary thing but it doesn't make it better there are plenty of cheap movies that look a lot better than this so i i just struggled throughout this entire movie and i i really tried to stay with it and then as the plot twists start to come uh, which we'll get into later it just makes the movie that much more irritating um because it's a much more fun movie when the they're just kind of sitting at home trying to figure out what happened to Monday? Because in this world, uh, to give you a little bit more background, they're all playing the same woman out in the world, uh, these seven siblings, because they only get to be one person uh, because of this the, this universe that they live in. Um, and the scenes where it's just Tuesday through Sunday sitting around at home trying to figure out what their next move is, I really like those moments uh, where they're trying to let see how long they can wait before the world comes to them. I like that stuff. Those are moments that I really appreciate. The scene of... Uh, Willem Dafoe disciplining all the girls because of the actions of one girl is really heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. Dafoe sells it and it's a good character moment for for everybody involved. I mean, there are moments in this film where you're like, I I see something here because it's not one of those movies where you totally check out, right? It's not so bad that you can just completely stop paying attention um, until about the halfway mark and then it just really, the, the bottom falls out of it. So... I, I tried to like it in spite of itself, but really just struggled with it the entire time. 
Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What a steaming pile of crap. Uh, this movie is, I mean, there, there are fun bits. Numir uh, Paz, uh, she's doing a great job uh, playing the mobile roles, as already said. Um, set design, as Arthur said, is great. I do love the Palm Pilot sort of design of Yeah, the that's self, fun. You know, that's fun. That you have your, uh, your iPhone menu basically embedded in the palm of your hand. I do like the general sort of technology thing, you know, where uh, various uh, Numir Paz's play Tank and Dozer while Neo's out in the Matrix doing yeah, I liked that. But it's also, um, you know, rem- making me think about how I wanted to see a better movie when uh, there's a big leap between buildings and, you know. I that, could just be watching The Matrix. And it, I mean, it is cribbing so hard uh, from that kind of idea. Yeah. Well, there's another Netflix property that I think it cribs from more, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, one of my favorite things, I don't know if you, I think it was in the review I sent you guys, which was just really funny and kind of uh, snappy about a lot of the uh, comparisons here. But they, uh, they said this is to... Uh, what happened to Monday is to children of men as equilibrium is to the Matrix. Wow. I think I remember – I read that article. I don't remember that line, though. That's a yeah. really great line. That, yeah. that's, 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 that's right on. Yeah. That's absolutely right on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's something of a mess. And um, as uh, Dalton was saying, there are fun bits. I mean, I like the action bits. I like the fighting scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a sense – The stunt choreography is good. You feel the stakes, you know, when um, Tuesday is being arrested. You feel the stakes when Wednesday is doing the fighting. You feel the stakes when Saturday is alone in um, the boyfriend's apartment. You feel uh, Friday's sort of uh, – sacrificial yeah, moment to, to stay out of spoilers they make it very clear early on that they will kill as many of these characters as they want to yeah. they make it very clear that not a one of these seven characters is safe and that does ratchet up the stakes yeah, yeah and so i mean there is there's a certain level of investment but um then yeah, again you, it, it is just such a mess and ill-defined you don't care ideologically it is deeply troubled. confused deeply confused uh and so there's that going on the whole time so if you're thinking at all uh, this movie is a uh, required escapism insofar as you must escape from your brain yeah. because if you're at all inside your brain you're gonna go wait wait what so well, the, the first thing that happened- made me go wait wait what was and this isn't a spoiler they just mentioned this in the exposition uh, they go, all right, only one kid. Also, we've been just dusting all the crops with GMO. Also, that's not how it works, but okay. We've just been crop dusting everything to make it more fertile. Also, it made people more fertile when they ate it. That's fucking not how science works. No. They just, that's <laughs> not how it works. Guys, just because I eat a tomato that stays ripe longer than it normally does doesn't mean that I am now more ripe all the time. Mmm, irradiated. Anyway. So, like, and that, that's just in the, the exposition. That's just in the exposition setup dump that we get at the start of the movie. So, yeah, it's a mess. I don't know why actors I like, like Glenn Close, Willem Dafoe, and Nomi Rapace, took this job for this movie. Hot tubs. Uh, uh, ching, ching. Uh, hot tubs. It's not worth it. Glenn Close has got a family. Uh, she's probably, you know... Uh, well, DeFoto doesn't have family, does he? I don't know. When an actor of a certain age takes a role, I'm like, oh, they've got grandkids. They're I watched two Glenn Close movies this week, and yeah. they are two total ends of the spectrum. Which was the other one you uh, watched? The Big Chill. Oh, no. oh, Which is a masterpiece. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. And, and, you know, Willem Dafoe has his family of goblins that he raises. <laughs> That's of, co- of course. <laughs> the Dafoe goblins. How could I forget? <laughs> don't, don't you remember? The, like, the Dafoe goblins of yeah. Upper New York. Yeah. Willem Dafoe does, in fact, have a Karen Setman type situation. There are yeah. just seven trolls <laughs> they, playing Willem Dafoe. <laughs> they live in the mines of Moria, also known as the Adirondacks in New York. Uh, but that's... Uh, anyways... Yeah, so, the seven Willem Dafoes live together. <laughs> and there's one Willem Dafoe that's really good. That's why... Willem Dafoe's so versatile. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's how he can play Jesus and the Hobgoblin. But I move on and digress. Hey, actually, he's playing the Green Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, right. yeah, now we're clearly just having more fun cutting up about Willem Dafoe than talking about this fucking movie. Yeah, because our biases are generally negatory, Which dear does listener. not happen very often. So there is that. But without any further ado, let's talk about how you can have this conversation with us because we don't even want to be having this conversation with each other. You need to help spice it up, dear listener. Speak to us, please. Tell us how, Dalton Stewart. You got it, buddy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and friends beyond the binary, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. That is uh, one of the most recent, frequently checked and updated uh, social media platforms we use. Uh, and that is for all things good trash, not just this show. Uh, you can also head on over to Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you rate and review and subscribe to this show on your uh, desired podcasting platform. Uh, and finally, uh, a little plug. We have a new show here on the network, uh, and that is The Praise Down with Heath and Alex. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got a new show on the network that's very exciting, one that the three of us have nothing to do with. Yeah, it's nice. So, yeah. Uh, that's nice. That, it's very exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a new thing. You've heard uh, us talk about that podcast on the show before because uh, the Heath of The Praise Down with Heath and Alex is my roommate, Heath Huffman. Uh, and Dustin and I have both uh, been guests on that show at this point. So it just kind of... We, we started talking with uh, Heath and Alex and the producer Jill, and it just seemed like um, the right thing for everybody. So they, they have joined the Good Trash Media family. Awesome. And we are glad Welcome to board. have them. Yeah, and so if that's that's another way you can uh, support us and check out what we're doing. Go over to uh, the Praise Down um, and uh, check them out. PTL. Am I right? PTL. Praise that. Uh, so without any further ado, um, we're going to move on, and I think it's time to play the game. <laughs> Time to play the game! Time to play the game! <laughs> oh, and I am so glad to be back, dear listener, as we are resuming our gameplay. This week's game is our favorite performances of a single actor playing multiple characters. That's right. Favorite performances of an actor... One actor playing multiple characters brought to you by What Happened to Monday? What Happened to Monday? This movie's as convoluted as the way Dustin introduced this game. <laughs> wow, way to really fuck me up, buddy. Jeez. I would never do such a thing. Are you intentionally making yourself hard to repeat when you do this? Sometimes. I kind of thought you might. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to take this moment to tell the listener more about the Praise Down with Heath and Alex. You bought yourself more plugs, Dustin. I'm punishing you. Uh, the Praise Dustin Down with Heath plugs. and Alex. That's true. He does. I, also, I feel bad about not telling the listener what this show we want them to go check out is. Um, so the Praise Down with Heath and Alex. <laughs> Heath and Alex have uh, people of various faith backgrounds, uh, usually uh, having been raised in a, a Christian background, uh, on the show to talk about Christian rock music uh, and whether or not it holds up and is good. So they're kind of doing the same thing that we try to do here. We take uh, films that don't get academic analysis and try to do that. Uh, meanwhile, they go over there and talk about music nobody bothers to talk about, uh, try to talk about it sonically, uh, but then they also interview their guests about uh, their spiritual journey, where they started and where they're at. So it's uh, it's a natural fit for, for this network. I mean, we're all about elevating stuff that doesn't get talked about and... Uh, Let's face it, nobody's talking about Christian rock music. I forgot it. I, I honestly didn't know they were still making it. I don't listen to this stuff. It still exists, though. Tooth and Nail Records still around. Ooh, really? Yeah, apparently. Hmm. Tooth and Nail is the good one, though. Tooth and Nail is where all the... They brought all the, the skull. Heart. Yeah. Those are all good. Or all the bands that are like, oh, just because we're on Tooth and Nail doesn't mean we're a Christian band. Yeah. 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 Them and Goatee. So, all righty. Well, uh, we're going to go back and play that game. What game are we playing again, Dalton? Uh, Dustin, <laughs> that's right. We're playing... 
<laughs> Movies where one actor performs multiple roles. Brought to you by What Happened to Monday. What Happened to Monday. I can do this all day, Dustin. Don't you test me. <laughs> there are actually seven Daltons. One for every day of the week. Uh, That's right. Oh, my. I don't think we have um, quite as many picks as we normally do, so we're just going to kind of go around the table uh, with our selections. I'm going to go to you first. Arthur Gordon, what are your selections for favorite films uh, in which a single actor plays multiple characters? So I'm, I'm, I'm dropping all of them right now. Yeah. Yeah, if you've only... You got, how many you got? I've got three. I, you got three? I've, I've pulled one out. Okay. And I'm not going to use that one I mentioned earlier. I have un. You just have the one, buddy? I have un. Okay. I'm going to take yours, I hope. I hope I take yours. I hope you do, too. I hope. Uh, my first one, though, is uh, it's it's about uh, two uh, two gentlemen in in, uh, in Oklahoma, um, uh, p- portrayed by a very, very fun actor, uh, and that is Mr. Ed Norton. In Leaves, uh, in of, Leaves of Grass. Yeah, yes. I forgot nice. about this movie. Uh, where he plays, I, I can't remember, he's, like he's a lawyer? lawyer? Or yeah, lawyer or something yeah. like that, and, and then uh, there's a drug-dealing mullet-wearing Yeah, he's Ed a pot Norton. farmer, right? Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I remember being charming. I wouldn't say it was great, but it's a fun little comedy, and I think uh, Paul Giamatti, no, We're, no, Richard Dreyfuss is in it. Really? Okay. Yeah. We're starved for movies set in Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, but it, it was a good time, and Ed Norton's a lot of fun in both of those roles, kind of polar opposite characters. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, my next one is another gentleman uh, playing twins, uh, and maybe stealing from Dalton, but it is the wonderful, beautiful Army Hammer in the social network. Not not a theft for me. I'm surprised I forgot about that one, actually. Uh, as the Winkle, Winklevoss twins. The Winklevi? The Winklevies. Yeah. Uh, he's he's great. He's so good. Uh, he, sh- he should be a lot bigger than he is right now. He should be huge. I'm kind of glad he didn't get huge, though, because now he's getting to do movies that like uh, fun. Call Me By Your Name and yeah. stuff like that. He's getting to do... Actor stuff. Actor stuff instead yeah. of being a super... Because he's... Yeah, he's... I mean, he was slated to be Batman. And yeah. And that fell through. Um, but, I'm glad it did, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I like what he's getting to do now. Kind of, yeah, redefine himself as this kind of actor's actor, and, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that's nice. Uh, but he's great in the social, the social. I keep wanting to say the Social Notebook, <laughs> uh, which is not not different movie. Yeah, different movie. <laughs> Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yes, Ryan Gosling. It's, and the, note- Jones. it's the Notebook over Tinder. Yes, yeah. it's the Social Notebook. <laughs> um, uh, but finally, I'm going to mention this last one. Uh, it's such a solid movie. I think it's my favorite movie from this director. Uh, but it is The Prestige, and it is Christian Bale uh, playing uh, brother magicians that you don't realize. Uh, so, spoiler, if you haven't seen The Prestige. And it becomes so obvious upon rewatch that he's yeah. multiple guys. Yeah. It becomes so painfully obvious. But yeah. they do a really good job of, of hiding right. that turn, which is all what that movie is just about. It's all about. Plot twists in yeah. storytelling. Yeah, very meta. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love it, and I love Christian Bale. I think it's I think underrated it's uh, in, in Nolan's filmography. Yeah. I think it's really strong. I think it's probably stronger than i think it's probably better than most of those batman movies yeah i don't i mean and i like for a long movies. time i mean i'd say it was his best movie i haven't seen dunkirk obviously and i'd have to revisit interstellar but i, I like the prestige quite a bit and I, I think christian bale is just aces in that movie so yeah those are my picks those are good picks man well none of them are my picks so i guess you are Son zero for three is it jimmy stewart it is not jimmy stewart okay moving right is it along Cary grant it's it's your mom um <laughs> Moving right along, Mr. Stewart, what are your selections? Uh, first up is a movie that I actually watched this week because of what happened to Monday. I finally caught up <laughs> with uh, Tom Hardy in Legend, Ooh, uh, yes. which is a very problematic film. <laughs> deeply, deeply problematic Was film. it better than what happened to Monday? Uh, it was more watchable. Tom Hardy is really great. A lot of the same stuff. Though. A lot of Tom Hardy passing himself his own glass of water and just actively being the shit out of himself. Um, nice. So the illusion's a lot better. I mean, they had more money. There's yeah. a little bit of CGI work going on, on face putting faces on bodies. I think. Um, I mean, there's a, a scene where the two Tom Hardys just 
absolutely go to town on each other and really? just almost kill each other. That's awesome. And yeah, no, it's it, the the effect is quite good. Hardy's performances are quite different. They're both very big. They're way bigger than he normally goes, uh, especially. Um, I want to say it's Reggie Cray or Rand. I can't remember which of the two is the more unbalanced. Now, now Legend is is the one where uh, the story is it's illegal to have more than one Tom Hardy in the world. That's true. It is still illegal, in fact. And that's a really a, a travesty we don't talk about enough. Right. It is, in fact, illegal across this entire planet for there to be more than one Tom Hardy. Right. They tried to make a second Tom Hardy. And uh, they just struck down in the U.N. court. Uh, just, nope. Uh, that's going to be my platform if I run for president. Yeah, we're going to repeal the UN resolution banning more than one Tom Hardy. That's yes. uh, <laughs> no, a 60s British gangster movie. Um, and then Tom Cruise fights the devil, right? Legend. Uh, right? Yeah, yes. The other legend. The legend yeah. of Tom Hardy. <laughs> I'm always bothered. And then with, there's a magical Will Smith showing up. And Tangerine Dream does a soundtrack. It's great. You guys are just mishing all the movies together. I, I'm really annoyed when uh, movies just say, we're going to go ahead and name ourselves this, even though there's already a movie called this. Like, nope, yeah. we're just also going to be legend. Now I've got to worry about dates. Like, is this legend 2817? Is this legend, you know, 1985? Yeah. Where are we at? But uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and just in case you've been wanting to catch up on this movie and haven't, I'm going to let you know ahead of time there is a really uh, unpleasant assault that the movie does a really gross job of dealing with and honestly just kind of ruined the movie for me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's in the last 20 minutes <laughs> and it just <laughs> fucking ruined the movie for me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, the setup's fun. There's some good scenes. Tom Hardy is great, although a little showy than, showier than I like him. But uh, an interesting take on how to do that kind of thing, where you're having one person play a lot of characters. Um, the next one is probably super obvious. It's also a recent one. In fact, it's just from a few months back. It is uh, Michael Fassbender and Michael Fassbender in Alien Covenant um, as David and I forgot the other android's name. Walter? Walter. Thank you. Um, what what wonder... Walter Goggins. I... Guys, I'm here to say Alien Covenant movie. Alien Covenant is underrated. I think there's a lot there to like. Yeah. I think it's weird and kind and it's of It's all Fastbender. It's a Fastbender sexually teaching himself how to play the recorder. It's the best thing ever. It's such a good and weird scene. Um the violence is so gross and body horror-y in ways that Alien movies I think forgot how to be after really even the second one's got a little bit. Three doesn't have really any good body horror. The fourth one has some fun, like, gore baths. But the body horror of the Alien franchise, I think, is such an integral part of what makes those aliens spoopy. Um, but, yeah, he, he took the, the body horror. Uh, Scott took the body horror he had fun with in Prometheus, mapped it on to a more streamlined alien movie, um, made it as just weirdly misanthropic, and you get... Two fastbenders for the price of one. And it's just a one real sweet, fasty fast uh, being convinced that uh, people are awful by another one. It's it's great. I, I, I think it's underrated. I see why people don't like it, but I think there is really something to appreciate, if only fastbender. Uh, last but certainly not least, I'm going to go ahead and give a tip of the hat to the Austin Powers franchise and Mike Myers. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Because some of the, uh, there's some good moments in that first one uh, and even in that second one. The third one's got some real problems but uh and it's been a long time since i've seen these movies in fairness but uh the just complete absurdist madcapery and physical humor of those films is it's just a kind of comedy we don't really make anymore um it, it's it's screwball by way of like uh uncensored snl sketches if that makes sense like just a lot of uh 
uh, genital jokes, a lot of uh, toilet jokes, um, but dialed up in a way that's very over the top and silly and just completely far fetched. And and Mike Myers is just having the time of his life uh, throughout the course of that franchise, getting to play all these wacky characters. So kudos, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. And any well, no, I, that's a spoiler. I can't make that joke. I'm moving right along. Okay. Uh, so uh, my selections, and I do have two actually. Okay. Um, of number first is Dead Ringers from 1988. David Cronenberg. Good pick. Jeremy Irons plays uh, two twin brother gynecologists. Now, how many times does? Uh, Jeremy Irons passed himself a glass of water in this film. Oh, I have not counted. <laughs> um, this I do not know. I mean, that is the real test, though, is it not? Yeah, I mean, how? I mean, do they touch each other a lot? Because that's where there, there is some touching, some face touching. There, there we there go, is some touching. So yeah, that that does occur. It's it, it's a good movie, and it's Cronenberg, so it's definitely worth your time. I mean, if you're going to watch, that's the thing about this kind of movie. The the, the one actor playing multiple roles is always so showy uh, that. It, it's kind of hard for a movie to be good when it has that as a feature. Yeah. I really fundamentally believe, like, especially with Legend, it's just like, yeah, Tom Hardy's great, but that's all the mo- that's the movie. Yeah, and I, even with, uh, I think that now Dead Ringer sidesteps that a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, and that's I think that's what works for the Fastbender stuff and Alien Covenant is there's only like three or four scenes where they're interacting, so it makes it a lot less irritating. Now, do they? I've been wanting to catch up with Dead Ringers a lot. Give me yeah. the sell on it. The sell on it is well, I mean, they're just exchanging lives, and it's a Cronenberg thriller. I don't want to say too much. They I, try mean, to, I know that's you're not ready to watch it until you've watched it. Okay. Now, the, there's a component of them like pretending to be each other at different yes, times. Yes, at right? times. Yeah, they do take each other's lives and just now, for kicks and grins, just to see if they can. Yeah. Now of. that's interesting. Yeah. Now uh, they're, they're they're not very nice people. Well, here's the thing. How many twins do you know? Do you know that they're not all doing that all the time? I'm just saying. Yeah, I teach a set of twins, and I'm not sure they don't. So You're not sure that they're not pulling a fast one All the time. Identical twins, man. Yeah, they're hard. Yeah, um, they, they can really pull a fast one. I, I knew a couple of uh, twins in high school that would do that every once in a while, just see if the, they could fool the teachers. Because uh, they weren't identical, but they looked very similar. And uh, they got caught every time they tried it. It was usually uh, all in good fun. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're if you got a twin, what are you gonna do? Not try it, right? I can't believe no one named Lindsay Lohan in the Parent Trap. I'm just you know what? Him. I should have. I, gosh, I wish we had. Because no, it's terrible. No, it's so adorable. I haven't seen it. Haley Mills. What? Haley Mills. Haley Mills. Is it the original Parent Trap? Oh, oh the original, the sixties one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All but right, Dustin. What's that final pick? The, for you? the one is when they don't interact together, but they're still playing multiple characters, mm-hmm. and that's Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks and Halle Berry and Halle Berry and Halle Berry. Yes, and, and Hugo Weaving and Hugo Weaving and Hugo Weaving and Hugh Grant and Jim Sturgis and Jim Sturgis and Jim Sturgis and over and over and again yeah. in Cloud Atlas, which is a great movie and uh, a good usage of having these characters show multiple levels of depth and multiple levels of range as actors, uh, but they don't have to necessarily hand themselves glasses of water. It's so less distracting. It, it definitely fails the water glass test, though. That, that is true. Um, a, a film we've talked about on this very uh, podcast. Yes. And um, I, I think we all had some really interesting things to say about it. Yeah, we liked it a lot. And it's definitely worth your time, dear listener. So do check that out. And do let us know what you think about um, your favorite um, times when you've seen a single actor play multiple characters in a single film. Uh, we'd like to hear more about that. And uh, you can do that via those magical means of social media that you already are aware of. But now it's time to get down to business. And we're 
are back with analysis, and uh, Arthur has already made the interesting snarky comment from a bit of review that he shared with us at a group that this is sort of uh, what equilibrium is to the Matrix. This film is to children of men, and I think that is a fair point. We are dealing with a fertility crisis, a uh, fertility crisis in which there's too much fertility and uh, too many children, an overpopulation problem, and uh, Glenn Close begins to – does a secret holocaust i guess i mean what it's else? so baffling how how did so yeah it turns out all these kids uh it's what... like a sequel to 101 dalmatians it's insane so let's go ahead and let the <laughs> listener because obviously most people are not going to watch this movie um so it turns out all these children that are being rounded up by the bureau of too many kids um are being put in cryostasis the bureau of too many kids i can't remember what they called it <laughs> So I think it's the Child Allocation Bureau, but that's <laughs> awesome. <child laughs> the Bureau of Too Many Kids. Uh, they're putting all the kids on ice. They're cryogenically freezing them until they fix the overpopulation problem. And they're like, well, once we you know, get birth rates way down and the population way down, then we'll have all these people that can come out and boost it back up. Well, it turns out she's just been like setting them. She's just been live cremating them. She's been cremating all these yes. kids alive. Hey, they didn't suffer. And no one, <laughs> and no one knew about it. <laughs> That's not how bureaus and, and large bureaucratic agencies work. Everybody has a boss. Yeah. You can't just – no one asks, hey, so where's the cryogenic storage facility where you've got my babies on ice? Can I go visit my children on ice? This went on for like From 30 Disney. years and no one noticed? They're, they're, they're running that this year at the uh, the state fair. My uh, baby's on ice. My baby's on ice. <laughs> So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Like before we get too far into analysis, we are talking about a movie that has a, a, a full-on secret mass extermination perpetrated by four people, as far as we can tell. Like two two nurse assistants, a personal assistant, and Glenn Close. What in the world? And that kind of just ruins everything about this movie because um, it makes it so much harder to just appreciate. Uh, how silly and wacky this movie is because it goes that big it goes that big and it just kind of robs the movie of any momentum uh and i guess they were just trying to find a way like let's make this system evil so it's easy for one set of siblings to bring it down Right. And the ways in which the system is evil are interesting because I think there are two real ideological problems with this film. This mm -hmm. film is super regressive. Let's just say this right now. Usually science fiction is uh, the realm in which we find uh, the most progressive, the most advanced ideas, the most uh, the, the most interesting ways that we can sort of tackle ways of the future. Exceptions to that could be the uh, novel Starship Troopers, which of course is turned around uh, from the fascist propaganda that, uh, that it is to satirizing uh, fascism. But for the most part, it is um, some, some Something of a, a best desire. I mean, there, there are definitely other political spectrums. I often give Dalton Stewart a very hard time about his favorite show, Flyer, Fire, Firefly, mm -hmm. being libertarian. Firefly. Being libertarian Star Trek. Um, it's not true. It, but it is. It's not. It's. Uh, Stop it. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Prove to me the Federation and Star Trek aren't fascists. You can't do it. Because the, the, they're socialists. Let me rephrase that. You can't <laughs> prove that they're not authoritarians. Okay, well, You can't prove that they're not authoritarians. Conversations could be had, um, and, and that's fair. Okay, that's... I'm just saying, man. <laughs> you can't prove it. The Klingons might be in the right. I'm just saying. What? The I don't know. I don't like Star Trek. We've already covered this. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Vulcan. <laughs> no, I know that they're part of the Federation. I know that much. Ferengi. <laughs> now you're just saying words. They're the capitalists. Anyway, um, and they're the bad guys. Trills. 
Tribbles are the trouble with tribbles. They're, yeah. they're, they're pets. Um, this movie, um, women. You know what you got to do is you got to put on a character and then look just like and play just right in order to go out, and that's the only way you're going to succeed in life. And uh, and it wants to subvert that. It wants to subvert that a little bit, but then what it does by individuating its female characters is give them the most uh, again just painted on Sunday's basic the religious one window. Yeah, Saturday's the party girl. That girl Friday is the whip smart one. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and Monday's the most career-driven one. Th- Thursday's a gay skateboarder. Yeah, Tuesday's a... <laughs> that, I don't know. So then, and then, then yeah. it really does fall apart. T- Tuesday does drugs. That's my favorite Jungian and that's, archetype. That is where we get to the most interesting. Like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those are the characters that are most interesting. And other than Thursday, get the least amount of screen time. Right. Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday doesn't get to do anything other than punch people in the head, which is awesome. I yeah. like that. But I don't know anything about why she punches people in the head so hard. Like, why is she so Well, they're ready? shooting at her. Well, but why is she so <laughs> equipped to do combat? Like, it doesn't explain, like, why she's invested all these years Dalton, of her life being a she's badass. She's been training for this her whole life. Yeah, I, I got that, Arthur. Training for what? <laughs> for jumping across a building. <laughs> for taking down the government. But not she's so She's been good. training for that. Well, and yeah, that's she the does thing. the Neo jump sequence and then gets shot. It's so uh, they do, anticlimactic. They do a bunch of platitudes to each other like that. Like Arthur just mentioned, you know, when they're doing this, this tank and uh, this, you know, dozer part where uh wednesday has to jump across these two buildings they're all rooting her on it's just like what do you why are you so good at running and fighting you've she been was training long- to be an olympic long she jumpist. only gets to be outside one day of the week <laughs> and she wants to jump. that's 52 times in 30 years it, once a year I, it's just so baffling but anyway and then she gets shot in the head and they kill her anyway yeah. like it's such a weird cho- it's not even we talked about this earlier on in reviews, right? Part of what makes this movie work when it does work is the stakes. They do a good job of establishing that none of these characters are safe. The thing that they have a problem with is they're a little too gleeful in killing the characters off. They do it a little bit. too quickly with little to no fan- fanfare about the dead character. And it just it subvert it doesn't subvert it undercuts the stakes that they've established there we go that's what the word i was looking for was it under it undercuts the stakes they've established by making you not care by deadening you to the loss of character because they just come one right after the other in very rapid succession also why did you throw wednesday out of a window to drop her onto no trash and then kill her anyway like it's just well, I, th- I think they were trying to pull... They are trying to do a joke. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, it didn't work, but... No, it just makes Friday and Wednesday both look really incompetent. Yeah. And that's the thing. Every time that there's a moment of levity in this film, it just makes one of the characters look like a big old dum-dum. Right. So now that we've kind of aired the the plot grievances that really bothered us, uh, I guess there's one more. The feminism. Uh, Saturday um, sleeps with Monday's boyfriend as Monday, uh, which is really gross, uh, and doesn't tell him about it. And then Monday's boyfriend, when he finds out that she's the twin that or the, the sibling that betrayed all the other siblings, seems really okay with it that she betrayed him and gets over her getting murdered very quickly. Yeah. So there's just a whole lot of tomfoolery happening with this plot that makes the film very frustrating. So now that we've laid that groundwork, one thing that I want to introduce is one of the more interesting ideas that the film does have um, is that Monday is such a dick uh, because of something that happened when they were kids. So Thursday snuck out to go skateboarding and hurt herself real bad and basically completely severed her index finger. Um, And because they are all pretending to be the same Karen... Willem Dafoe has to cut off all, all of their their, their index fingers above, like, the second knuckle. So, Monday has to go first, and he's like, I need you to be brave. Like, I need you to, 
take the responsibility and show the rest of them that this won't be that bad. Um, and that's like her whole character arc of like thinking she's she's the best of the seven of them. Is she's the one that's always there to make the hard choice. What do you guys think about this idea of being presented? Because I think that's one of the more interesting things, right? Is this collective responsibility in a family that you have a collective responsibility for each other and that you share in each other's hard times. The problem is you're not supposed to resent each other when you share in each other's hard times. So I think that's one of the few things that the movie does get right in terms of presenting a good idea is this family dynamic of shared responsibility. Well, I mean, it does that, I guess. But here's the thing that's problematic for me is mm-hmm. that it, it's it's personas over persons. Mm-hmm. And um, so Monday is really, really bent out of shape about this this terrible thing that happened. It's very, it's very sad. You know, it's a terrible thing that happened. But here's the thing. I mean, there, obviously things happen amongst siblings, amongst families. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what people are able to do usually is go, yeah, there were terrible things. You made bad choices. And sometimes there are resentments and those kind of things that are harbored. But they're not harbored to such an extent that you end up plotting the murder of the rest of your family just so you can, you know, live happily ever after with the rapey guard guy. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense that you would do that. And so um, her dutifulness, she what ends up happening is that when as a person, what you end up becoming is, again, just this reflection of responsibility. And what she turns into is the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. You know, I never got a party. You guys always got to do this stuff, and you guys were always, you know, loosey-goosey with the rules and never even got so much as, you know, a little party thrown for me. Well, now it's time for me to party, and she's, you know, terrible um, as a result, um, the fact, despite the fact that they're in this awful situation together. And so uh, the, the limitation there that happens is, is that these, these female characters um, are all disposable. That they're all personas, and then the other, you know, major female character is Glenn Close, and she's the villain. I mean, I'm just, I'm very irritated. And it's one of those things where all of the characters are super disposable and dumb. The problem is that the entire cast is women, so it makes that problem be magnified through, you know, the culture that we live in, Mm -hmm. um, which makes it even more problem. You know, if it was a character of a, you know, a fairly gender equitable cast and everybody sucked, then it was just like, well, this movie sucks, everybody sucks. But because it is such a showcase for Numi Rapace that it does really undercut that showcase. I mean, again, she is doing a really good job. She's having a lot of fun, but the screenplay does a disservice to her throughout the film. And I, I totally agree with you. I just found that idea interesting that um, that corruption of that, that shared responsibility that, that it, uh, is core to a family. I found there's something there. So that's yeah, why I want to well, talk about And there's about something that. sort of anti-communalism that's going on there. You know, individuals making their individual choices, you know, and that don't don't come about me and my freedom kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is, you know, a, a good sort of uh, human rights kind of message in some ways. Um, and I, I think the way in which it's trying to paste its world as a authoritarian, totalitarian, sort of Chinese Marxist atheist regime, you know, I think that's sort of the way in which they're they're trying to frame the world and that's being run by Glenn Close. So uh, the corruption of this collective, you know, is I, I think part of their the sort of device the screenwriters are at work uh, doing here in the film. But yeah, it is, dude, it's just a mess. Just mad. There's something that Arthur brought up that I do find very interesting. Off air, Arthur, you mentioned that, that, you know, Willem Dafoe encourages them to be themselves, be very individualistic while they're at the home. But in the world, they have to put on a certain face. Uh, and I find that to be very interesting, right? The uh, the idea that no matter how good your family is, no matter how open and welcoming your family is, 
um, and how supportive they are, that there is a certain amount of performance you have to do in the real world. So no matter how well-adjusted you are, no matter how at peace you are with the person that you are, in the world you have to be a different person. Um, and, and I think there there is something kind of interesting about the the this kind of micro-level sociology that we get a taste of in the film where, you know, characters are being forced... Uh, to live out what we all live out and just a much more, the most logical conclusion, right? Um, did that do anything for either of you whatsoever? No, because I don't think there's any follow-up. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, it it, it undercuts all of its good ideas mm-hmm. by with bad storytelling and with mixed, you know, confused ideology, I think. And, you know, I think it wants to say a lot of smart things, but it ultimately says a lot of dumb things and sends the wrong messages. And so I think it starts out with a lot of good ideas, but it just keeps undercutting them. Um, and so, you know, if the ending goes maybe different ways or, you know, we don't follow these kind of standard stock twists and turns, which, you know, uh, undercut, you know, character motivations and just confusing storytelling, I, I think there's a chance for some interesting uh you know, development with these themes, but I don't think the themes are able to go anywhere because the story keeps undercutting itself and what it's selling. Right. Well, and the least conforming of the, uh, of the sisters is Thursday. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she ends up going ahead and keeping the Karen name, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and then Tuesdays you have the survivor and she takes, uh, Terry as her name, but they, they, they you know, yeah. sort of the rhyming kind of thing. And then, so there's still this stubborn refusal to go ahead and be individuated and do something that's really yourself you know they're still trying to fit in in this uh into what's been handed to them you know and it's like i i, I really wish karen had picked you know i don't know something else as a name let's let's go back here how i mean let's i mean defoe's character is supposed to be really clever but mm-hmm. we just come up with the days of the week like that's yeah, that was a real goofy moment. I mean, it's just so silly. Well, you could call them one through seven, but yeah, that's. <laughs> I, mean, that's I mean, somewhat better. Uh, maybe I guess it, oh. it, it is, and that's the thing. Every moment, this movie desperately wishes it was smarter than it was, yeah. but can't even get its shit together long no. enough to do anything that is a little different or imaginative. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that's so frustrating. Um, there is a rug pull at the end of this movie that absolutely just infuriated me. Um, number one. The whole reason uh, you've already mentioned the guard boyfriend Adrian, I believe is yes. the character's name. Uh, Adrian gets introduced really early in the movie as a sim- seemingly menacing character. Yes, and then it turns out that him and Monday are having a, a relationship for years. It seems. Um, so number one, they hold it so cl- they hold that detail so close to the chest that it makes him seem menacing in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. So just really unpleasant and upsetting for no reason. They could have just made him seem kind of cute and flirty. They didn't need to make him seem menacing. Two. After Saturday uh, does a full-on Revenge of the Nerds on him um, and and rapes him, uh, I mean, because that's what happens. Yeah, it's uh, not consensual. He's no, not he consensual. thinks he's having sex with somebody else. Yeah. That's not okay. Um, we He just joins them? I, that's the thing that's so infuriating. He joins them thinking he's going to break Monday out of jail. Monday turns out to be a collaborator. And he's just kind of fine with it. And then we find out that Monday's whole uh, reason for this, other than the the feeling that her sisters didn't take this shit seriously, was that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kill her after re- revealing to us that she's with child. Just very unceremoniously kill her. And then it turns out the babies are fine. Like, it's the most infuriating series of rug pulls. You know what's more infuriating? What's that? She's a banker. 
Yeah. So where was she the other six days of the week? Like if they're having such a close relationship. Yeah. Oh, they only get together on Mondays. I yeah. Mean, that, that's what. That's how Saturday figures out what day. Yeah. Um, well, what, yeah. But I mean. But yeah. how is yeah? How is, how is there guy... any kind of close relationship? No. I mean, I'm absolutely. I'm right there. Other with than you. just a hookup. Yeah. Like, it's not like a booty call thing. I mean, yeah. They're, they they this, hang like, out like deep all day from like five to midnight. Yeah. When she gets, she's like, work. I've got to go before I turn into a pumpkin. I, like, yeah. How how did they she keep this lie going exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, but again the the it's the logic of that relationship makes no sense and then the logic of why would you tell me this movie like you chose to write this why would you tell me that there's babies kill this woman and be like well that's a real bummer and then be like surprise we let you, we we save the babies P- fucking make up your mind who's keeping the babies i uh, presumably adrian is the the impression I guess we so. I it mean, kind of seems like they might all raise these three kids together yeah, too which yeah. yeah okay sure that's the sequel i mean honestly that adorable blended family is way more interesting uh than anything we got in this movie <laughs> it's gonna be three's company yeah <laughs> now is there is there any ideas that we have not touched on that uh we we feel like we got to talk about I, I we do have to mention this is a crazy pro-life film yes. you know this has yeah. definitely got that sort of politics going on inside of it as well yeah every baby wants to be born yeah yeah and and and, and i mean it, it, overpopulation is a thing it's, it's a, a very problem. serious yeah. concern and it, it is a, it's a massive simplification to say you know those people who are uh, in favor of a woman's right to choose somehow are these sort of holocaust murderers you know i mean that's sort of the way in which glenn close is framed you know and th- there is a certain way in which this becomes the inglorious bastards for the religious right in which uh, their adolf hitler is uh glenn close um who is Roe from Roe v. Wade, you know, yeah. and you get to see her get, you know, her justice or whatever. And again, I don't think I, I think this more comes down to the movie's confused ideology. Yeah, because I, I, I think for the movie, I, I don't think the film realizes it's doing that. I, I don't think so. No, I, I think what the film thinks it's doing is just making a comment about personal liberty. Here's the thing, though. Overpopulation is an issue that requires the a government, a body that can tell everyone what to do it requires telling people hey we really need you to stop doing a thing that you're doing and we need you to do something a little bit different which is you know the whole point of social contracts it is the whole point of societal living is that we all agree to give aside certain concessions so that we don't break each other and the planet that's it uh and and the film acting like that there's no middle ground is just infuriating there's no middle ground either Everybody only gets to have one kid, and then the government takes your babies. Or just saying, let's just make birth control free for everybody. Right. Like, what? The world of this movie is so nonsensical that any time, as Arthur mentioned, as we've all mentioned a couple of times, every time it walks up to the line of saying something interesting, it doesn't understand the topic it wants to talk about and just accidentally says something really stupid like, um, anybody who wants to control population rates is a monster and hates right. babies. And, and it's just, it makes the, the movie uh, poorer for its stupidity. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And again, you know, science fiction tends to be so progressive, and this is one of those cases where it's quite regressive. And it's yeah. And again, there is there there is there is this sort of narrative that's at work that anyone who is in favor of a woman's right to choose is really and really wants to institute required you know population breaks. And of, of course, this thing did happen in China. You know that we did have see a state do that, but everybody and everybody said you know this is terrible. We can't be doing this. You know, but we have to we have to put all the options on the table and figure out what to do 
And uh, that's what's broke in this movie. It, it doesn't have nuance. Exactly. And it's a thing that we've talked about on this show before is a movie can make itself worse by trying too hard. If you're going to talk about something in your movie, regardless of how silly or dumb your movie is, you need to understand the topic you want to engage with at least somewhat well. You need to have a somewhat nuanced take. And if you have a dumb half-baked take, you can't build your whole movie around it or it's going to fall apart. Uh, and I think that is the lesson to, to be gleaned from what happened to Monday. Unfortunately, we didn't learn anything about life, the universe, or each other, but we did learn what makes movies bad. And that's something. Yeah, and also we need a thousand percent more Willem Dafoe and Numi Rapace kicking people in the face. Yeah, no, I could do with a lot more of that for sure. Yeah. So, and I guess this gets us to a point where we can render a verdict about this film. Fairly uh, obviously. Stream or Pass, which is our um, version of Shelf or Trash this week, uh, this month, because it's uh, Netflix streaming films that we're selecting for this marathon. So, Arthur Gordon, Stream or Pass, else or instead? Yeah, you pass on it. Yeah. yeah don't watch this. Uh for your insteads, uh, I was reading up on this, uh, and it seemed that the director uh, has admitted uh, several times that he was heavily influenced and was really trying to make a Paul Verhoeven film. So, gotta wish Paul Verhoeven instead of watching movie. what happened to Monday, you watch three Paul Verhoeven films. Yes, and nice. you watch two that deal uh, with and critique fascism, uh, and you watch RoboCop, and you watch Starship Troopers. And then you watch one that deals with identity, and you watch Total Recall. Yes. And you have yourself a grand old time. All three films that have been talked about on this uh, podcast. Because we like them. I think Verhoeven might be the most talked about director on the show now. Um, uh, I think it's still Carpenter. Oh, that's right. We have done quite a few Carpenters. Uh, but, you're, I mean, yeah, Verhoeven, uh, you're going to have way more fun with, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Dalton, what do you say? Uh, streamer pass? Elsewhere yeah, it's a pass. I mean, there's just there's better stuff on Netflix. Uh, what else should you watch or what should you watch instead? Sense8, which is just a better version of this movie. Just go watch Sense8. It's two seasons. We're about to get the finale movie later this year. The Wachowskis have a better handle on this kind of really campy humanist storytelling. And they, they we talked about Cloud Atlas earlier. They yeah. just have a better handle on this. And I think it comes from the fact that their hearts are in the right place. I don't think anybody involved, you know, upper echelons of the crew, writers, directors, um, editing, it just it doesn't feel like anybody that ha was a shot caller on this movie, producers, nobody that got to call shots in this movie had their heart in the right place. And say what you will about the Wachowskis project, sometimes they're a, a fucking mess, but their heart is always in the right place. And they're always engaging with the material in a way that is very sensitive and very aware of what the characters are going through uh, and even in like things like matrix three two and three which are you know probably their weakest two films that they've made i, I think speed racers a stronger film than either of those two movies and again i like the matrix sequels more than most people but even in their weaker fare uh, they know what their characters are dealing with and even when it's kind of silly and wacky and you know agent smith gets knocked down with a bowling pin noise or Emil Hirsch does donuts in a car that has skis on it. There's a real humanity to the characters. And Sense8 is doing what What Happened to Monday wants to do. It is presenting you with the idea of a bunch of characters that have a shared identity and a shared consciousness and rely on each other to get the job done. It's, it's What Happened to Monday is just shitty Sense8. And 
why would you stream this when there's already something on the same streaming platform that's engaging with the same ideas and doing it in a much more interesting way? So you definitely want to check out Sense8. Um, if you want a female-centric action film from the year 2017, just watch Atomic Blonde. It's streaming now. Like you can you can rent it for like four bucks. Yeah, you've already paid for Netflix, but uh, Charlize Theron's movie's better than Numero Pace's movie, and that's just that's the brass tacks of it. Um, yeah, you you miss out on Willem Dafoe and Glenn Close, but you trade them, uh, you trade both of them in for a, for a John Goodman and a um, uh, James McAvoy, and uh, what's the doodle from Barbarian Sound Studio that you like so much? Uh, oh, Toby Jones. To- Toby Jones, yeah. And that Skarsgård kid who had a really big movie this year. Oh, he's in it too. Yeah. I forgot about that. He's the uh, friend. He's the assistant. That's right. Yeah. 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 The lack of makeup. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, without the big red hair and uh, painted on face, it's kind of yeah, hard. Yeah, I, I forgot uh, old Pennywise was in it. So, yeah, just go do that. Oh, and, um, oh, what's your doodle from The Mummy, who is great? Um, can't think of her Rachel name. Rachel Wise? No, no, the new mummy, not the... Tom Cruise. No, not Tom Cruise. <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking about. Sorry, listener, I know that you're probably shouting about shouting this actress's name at me. She's great in Atomic Blonde. It's just a better movie. So there you go. You got a, a full two seasons of television and, and a new 2017 release to watch instead of whatever this was. Uh, so I am also going to say pass. Um, obviously pass. Um, what else or what instead uh, you should watch? And really anything. Anything will be fine. Howard the Duck will be fine. Um, just, so there's some defenders of that movie as a real piece of schlocky, wacky cinema. Well, and I, I, I just name it as something that's just altogether different. But Children of Men is really the place to go. We've already mentioned earlier in the show. But Children of Men um, wrestles with these questions in a much more nuanced kind of way. It's a much better film. It's much more artfully directed. And uh, it's just it's great. It's great, great, great 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 i love me some clive owen i love that movie so much um so i recommend it very highly we'd love to hear your recommendations for what instead you should watch if you are um, had the uh, disprivilege to have watched this film and uh, if you are wishing yeah, to, what did you watch as a palate cleanser yeah um and if you wish to defend it that's fine we'd like to hear your words about just that i'm curious to see what you might say but we're going to keep on rolling down the train um we've picked another movie for netflix november but you forgot to or i forgot to remember i remembered for you though we are going to be watching the discovery with uh, rooney mara jason siegel and robert redford uh, all about a scientist who discovers definitive proof of the afterlife and then people start offing themselves. Nice. Uh, and then he realizes he has a responsibility to figure out if it's a good afterlife or a bad afterlife because nobody knew. Oh, my. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's what we're going to be watching. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I am, too. I, I like all the people involved. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of all the actors in it. I haven't, and I've been meaning to watch it since it dropped on Netflix earlier yeah. this year. So that'll, that'll be fun for us. Um, and we'll have yet one more Netflix uh, original movie for you after that. But uh, next week we are going to be watching The Discovery. Sounds fun. I'm into metaphysics. So, uh, you know, uh, things will be good there. So there you go, dear listener. We're going to have a conversation no matter what, whether the movie's good or whether it's bad. It's all about the conversation because that's what makes watching the movie so worthwhile. And so we'll keep wa- or you keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cats, brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network. For all things Good Trash, all of our other shows and written articles, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music is a supercut by Mr. Arthur Gordon, featuring the music of Junkie XL, Hans Zimmer, and a bunch of great movie clips curated by Mr. Gordon himself. Our outro music this week is Monday Monday by the Mamas and the Papas.
Turns out that way 